What's up, everyone? This is episode 231 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. Yeah, that still feels kind of weird saying that, my X account. But anyway, I'll get used to it. All right. So as you guys know, I spent a large portion of last week at the National in Chicago. In fact, I got to meet some of you that are listening for the first time. And a few of you were even sporting some Wax Museum merchandise. So thank you for that. I always get a kick out of that. Funny story. I had one guy message me. It was either at the end of Wednesday or Thursday. And he asked if I bought this very specific Pete Maravich auto. And I think he sensed I was kind of confused. So he followed up by letting me know that it was someone wearing a Wax Museum shirt. Uh, But no, it was not me. I did, however, pick up a handful of other nice pieces for my PC, which I'll talk about some of those today. Not everything, though. The rest of that you can find on my YouTube channel. If you haven't done so already, I did a big video on there. I think it was like, I don't know, 12 or 15 minutes of all my pickups from the National I've really been trying to double up on content there this week because I have quite a bit of material to work with, so I hope some of you have already enjoyed that. But not everything was captured in video format, so that's where today's show comes in. And before I get too far into my recap, I figure it's a good idea to talk about some of my goals going in because I try to keep things relatively simple. I feel like if you overplan, you can get more caught up uh, in just completing things as opposed to enjoying them. And this was, after all, designed to be a leisure trip, right? We go to these places, we go to these events to have fun. So my goals for this year's national were pretty simple. I had five of them. Number one, meet up with friends. Number two, uh, see things I wouldn't normally see at a local show. Number three, pick up my custom Allen Iverson logo man card and get it signed. Number four, get my photo taken with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And then of course, number five, which I've already alluded to, pick up cards for my PC. Now, Regarding that last point, on my most recent listener mailbag, there was one specific card I mentioned that I would be looking for. There are only 25 copies, but I figured, you know what, of all places, I might see it at the show. It's a card I've seen a few times at some of the big shows beforehand. Well, it actually showed up on eBay about a week before I left for Chicago, and as I've said many times before, the time to buy a card is when you see it, and that's what I did. Now, I don't have this card in hand yet, so I'm not going to say what it is, but I look forward to sharing that with you soon. The reason I bring all of that up, though, you know, that doesn't quite sound national related, but it is. Because in a weird way, buying that card ahead of time and that whole situation, it kind of alleviated the pressure of trying to find it in Chicago and then trying to make a deal for it on the spot as well. Because, you know, of course, finding it's only half the battle. Just because you find it doesn't guarantee you're going to get it. Um, it's an awful feeling to find a card you've been looking for and then have to leave it behind. But like I said, I I found this one, I bought it early, I avoided any situation like that. So uh, I will be talking about that later on on a different show. Okay, enough of the pre-national talk. You're here to hear about the show. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, This year I got in Wednesday afternoon just in time to make it over to the convention center and start walking the floor. And my first impression was that there were a lot of people there for a Wednesday, which made me think the next few days would be pretty chaotic as well, especially Friday and Saturday. That was um, just my my guess, right? I didn't know at that point 
And the show floor seemed a lot bigger than it was in 2019 and 2021. And it was pretty hard to tell where you had been and what you still needed to see. Now, I saw some people, they had maps, they were crossing booths off every time they went to them. That's too much for me. Um, I think that's a great strategy, but it just doesn't work for me. So from going in past years, I knew it was impossible to see every table like I wanted. So I just decided Wednesday, I'm just going to take it easy and gravitate towards things that caught my eye, which was a lot. Uh, On top of that, it was very hot. Now, I had a couple of friends, they reached out to me, uh, friends that were not there, and they said, you know, is it really as hot as people are, are saying it was? The answer is yes. Yes, it was. At one point, and I don't even remember what day it was, but there was a pretty large gentleman that walked by me and brushed against me, and he just kind of slimed the majority of my left arm. And then as he continued to walk by, I noticed that he had already sweat through his cargoes. Now, I didn't quite get to that point myself, but uh, yes, to answer your question, it was hot. It was that hot, but completely worth it. These are the things that we do for the hobby, right? Anyway, it wasn't long before I linked up with Jake Roy, uh, 90s B-Ball Cards, Carter, and then the Pack to the Future guys, and we continue to roam the floor. I'm sure Jake's going to talk about it some in his recap, but I spotted a card that I knew was on his top five want list, and the only reason I knew that was from watching his YouTube channel. So that's proof that sometimes if you really want something, it is okay to let everyone know. I know there's a little bit of apprehension about that because there's always the chance that someone will find it and run the price up on you, but you know that's just the risk you take sometimes. But it is a lot better to have Uh, you know, tens or dozens or even hundreds of eyes looking for those cards for you. Uh, I can't thank you people enough, the people that reached out to me and and sent me pictures of things they were finding at the show. That means a lot to me because I know it's chaotic. I know it takes a lot of time to do that. All right. From there, it was on to dinner and on to the Hyatt to try and get some trades in. Um, That was one of the, the more fun parts about the show is to, you know, the stuff outside the show, trying to wheel and deal. And I guess we went to the wrong hotel for that at first because things were pretty uneventful there that night. However, there was a group of guys sitting near us that I hadn't paid much attention to, but when they stood up, they got my attention because I I immediately recognized that one of them was George Gervin. And I knew that he probably had photo ops and paid photo ops at the convention, but uh, I, I couldn't pass this up. I politely approached him. I asked if he would take a picture real quick. And one of the other guys that was with him, it was not a basketball player. Um, he jokingly said, hey, that'll be a hundred bucks. And uh, I looked at George and, and we kind of laughed and he said, you know, go ahead. Um, and then the other guy chimed in again and said, well, well, don't you want the other picture here as well? And he pointed to a taller gentleman in a hat, which turned out to be Bob McAdoo, which I didn't even recognize him at first. I took one with him too. It ended up being blurry. So that'll go to the Blurry Pictures collection, which is getting pretty big now. But regardless, I was on cloud nine. I did not buy a single card on Wednesday, but getting a picture with those guys, George Gervin especially, made my night. And that's something I'll remember for a long time. So, you know, that's just one of the things that comes with the National. You never know who you're going to run into. Um, Now, at that point, I think that, though, that the traveling and everything had caught up to me. So it was back to the hotel to get things organized and prep for the first full day. And try and come in with a plan. And that plan for Thursday was to do some digging in the morning before everyone else got in. I knew that worked well for me in 2021. I thought, you know what, I can replicate that. I can do it again. Well, it turns out a lot of the dealers really didn't have anything out that early. And they were taking their time. So I was just kind of left milling around for a little bit. 
and I ran into one of my friends who was a dealer, and he kind of sarcastically said, aren't you going to go see Derek Jeter in the Arena Club booth? And for the most part, you know, I stayed off social media a lot this week, just I didn't have time for it. So I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see all the Jeter stuff on there. So I thought he was joking. And he's like, no, he really is over there. So I headed over to that way. And keep in mind, this is before the show opens. This is kind of the early entry part. There was a small crowd of people around and maybe 30 or 40 people. And there was a line that and they were all taking pictures with them. So I went to the end of the line. That's that's kind of whenever I see something with a line and I, I just jump in and see what happens, right? Well, they had already cut it off. And they said, you know, they said, no, no, this is the end of the line. It's already cut off. Well, I saw another friend over there who was involved in some capacity. And I mentioned to him, hey, you know, I guess I just missed the cutoff. Uh, I won't go into details, but he fixed that for me. So thank you. You know who you are. So I ended Wednesday with a picture of George Gervin. And I started Thursday getting a picture with Derek Jeter. And, you know, that that's one of the great things, like I said, once again, about the National. You just spend as much time out and about as possible and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, even in the lobby at one point, Logan, I, you know, I saw three guys walking towards me really fast. One of them was Logan Paul. I guess him and his guys were going in one of the side entrances. So you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, for me, it was mostly just the luck of being in the right place at the right time. But once dealers started to open things up and get their showcases back out, I decided I needed a better plan. And this revelation came when I was in the 3000 section. So I hit up all the booths near the wall in a more linear fashion. And that worked out well for me because I ran into a guy that had a lot of 1957 tops cards in SGC slabs. And guess what? I just so happened to be working on the 57 set in SGC slabs in a low grade set. And these were all low grade copies. So I found a dozen I needed and I ended up getting them for about $30 a pop which is likely cheaper than it would have cost for me to buy the cards raw and grade them myself. The only downside to that is, you know, this was really early in the day and I didn't anticipate carrying around a dozen more slabs and I packed way too many cards every day and my bag was just stuffed and it was heavy. Um, I had these like, I don't know, I've shown them on my YouTube channel. I had these like Pokemon boxes that uh, they fit top loaders in mag magnetics perfectly. I found them at a local card shop so I thought that would be good to stack a couple of those in my bag, but it was really heavy to get in and out of them all the time. So I think I'm going to rethink that strategy moving forward. I know Carter had some sort of long case with a carrying strap that looked like it worked pretty well. So I have already ordered one of those. I had it on in the house today to show my wife. She was laughing at me. Uh, but anyway, I think it will work well. So I'm also going to be showing that off on my YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. Okay. So after that, I headed to the ComC booth to talk to some of their employees and record a quick segment with Mike Summer from Waxpack Hero. While I was there, I learned quite a bit more about the promos they've been working on and some of the new things they're going to offer. So uh, if you guys are interested, I might even have one of the team members on the show to talk about it. Just let me know if that interests you. I'm not going to force that on you. However, I do want to remind you, because this is a great time to remind you, that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com. And ComC is excited to announce their latest grading partnership with PSA. With over 30 million raw cards available through the marketplace, ComC is making it even easier for you to buy, sell, and grade your favorite sports cards, Marvel, and TCG cards. To learn more about the director grading program, head over to ComC.com and check it out for yourself. Okay, so that was the ComC booth. After I was done there, I headed the next booth over 
which was Heritage, because I always enjoy looking at some of the museum quality stuff. And that was one of my goals to see things I wouldn't see normally at, you know, a local show. So I've never been a big Star Trek fan, but it was cool. They had a lot of the old costumes from the show. I enjoyed seeing those. They also had plenty of sports stuff, including one of Michael Jordan's Space Jam uniforms. Obviously, that's, you know, like I said, that's the kind of stuff you don't see at your local show. Um, some other stuff that was there. I, I meant to look at the Curry Logo Man at the alt booth, I but I completely forgot about it. I know, you know, plenty of people took pictures and videos, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll have that, you know, where I could look at it on Instagram, but it's nice to be able to see it in person. So, um, you know, maybe maybe I'll see it later on. Who knows? But uh, I missed out on that this time around. And after that, it was time for me to meet up with Eric from Reclaim Customs to pick up my Allen Iverson Custom Logo Man card. For those of you that haven't been following this whole saga, I'll give you the short version. Basically, I bought this hideous... Jersey Fusion mashup that included an uncut John Belaya card and a Game Worn Logo Man patch. And I separated the two because they were not necessarily glued together. One was just kind of placed on top of the other. Um, I hoped uh, that I could move the John Belaya, which I did. And I hoped then that I could also make something better out of this Game Worn patch. But I'm only a novice custom card maker, so I was not the right guy for the job. And this is where Reclaim Customs comes into the equation. We got on the phone one day and talked through it all. Eric was super patient as I gave him my ideas. He also offered up some helpful suggestions on his own. And I originally wanted the step over image, but as we got to talking, we both agreed it wouldn't quite fit the orientation of the card. So I decided to go with the blue jersey picture instead. I thought that would go with the blue ink. We went back and forth on the foil and, and he suggested gold. I couldn't quite visualize that, but... I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to defer to him as the designer in this instance. And you know what? He was spot on. It ended up looking really good. So uh, for the final touches, I wanted to add a picture of the source material on the back because some of my favorite cards had this in the 2000s. So uh, I thought this would be appropriate. Jersey Fusion gave us those pictures and then I had him put them on the back. So I had only seen a mock-up of this card leading up to the National, but Eric waited until we met to show me the finished product. And I, I'm super happy with all the work he did. I cannot recommend him enough. And then on top of that, he got everything done in time so Iverson could sign it the next day. So I'll, I'll have more on that experience in a little bit. It was interesting to say the least. But once again, kudos to Eric for reaching out and for doing such an awesome job. If you're interested in any sort of similar project, you can find him on Instagram at Reclaim Customs or visit his website, which is reclaimcards.com. Okay, at this point, you know, he gave me this uh, Logo Man card. It's still only like 1 p.m. So this, you know, I've got the Derek Jeter picture. I've got the Com C booth. I've got the Reclaim Customs. I've got, you know, visiting all this stuff. It's only 1 p.m. So there's still quite a few things that happened on Thursday that I want to cover or at least touch on real quick. But I would say for me, Thursday was definitely my best day at the show. And it was the day I did the most purchasing and trading as well. Uh, at one booth, I noticed a 101 Jumbo Laundry tag of Sean Bradley from 2009 Tops, And I've been watching this card on eBay for a while. I've made several offers on it, obviously with no luck because I don't own it. And I thought the asking price on eBay was pretty high, but the asking price in person was not quite as high, even though it still kind of seemed high to me. So I asked the seller if we could make a trade, and he picked out a trio of cards from my case, and, and we made a really quick deal. So I was happy about that. They were all cards I had done pretty well on. I think 
One of them was a uh, LeBron Tops rookie that I found in a lot, and I had graded it in SGC 8.5. And then the other two were just eBay wins. But the amount I paid for all three, I would have been more than happy paying that amount for the Bradley tag. So that was a win in my book. And um, I'm becoming more and more receptive to trading, especially as I, I have accumulated some of these assets over time. Because, you know, if, if the buy-in's good, it's it's kind of okay to over-trade for a card. And I think a lot of people are at that point. And, and like I said, it worked out well for me in this situation. Now, a little bit later, I headed to the teal carpet area, which I thought ended up being pretty good for basketball. I posted a video of some of that area on my YouTube channel, I think on Sunday night when I got back. But I saw a Connie Hawkins shoe auto relic numbered to 60. And even though they're numbered to 60, they don't show up on eBay often. I've had it saved on my eBay save searches for a couple years now. Um, one of them ended recently higher than I anticipated. I think it went for like $80 shipped. And the price on this one was $125. So I looked on, I looked at it, but I didn't even make an offer because I didn't actually want to pay what the last comp was either. So you know, my offer would have been like a third of his price, half of the last comp. I didn't want to be that guy. So I just didn't make an offer. And as I handed this thing back to him, he asked if I had an offer. And I said, you know, I said, no, I, I think I'm going to be too far off. And he just insisted that I throw out a number. So, um, you know, I kind of hesitated. And I said, well, you know, I, I would be at $40 on this. And he immediately said done. And then instructed me that I should always offer. Now, I don't always agree with this strategy and yeah, it worked here and this is one I was more than happy to add to the PC, but you know, it, that's something I'm always cautious about. But in this case, this guy was, was very happy to do the deal. Uh, chances are he was probably in that card lower as well, but um, Connie doesn't have any Jersey or patch cards. They're just shoe cards. And uh, I think they came from a pair of purple Nike airs. So my guess is it's from one of the old timers games in the early nineties, but Hey, Panini classifies that as game worn. And seeing as I knew that heading in, I, I'm fine with that. You know, it is what it is. Okay. So as we moved into the evening, it was time to grab a spot in line for trade night. And this was the official trade night of the National. I believe it was put on by Card Collector 2 and Roadshow Cards. And in 2021, some buddies and I got in line super early for this one. When I say super early, like 4.30, because we wanted a table. The key to trade night for me is getting a table because I do not like to be one that roams around. I don't like to be digging in my boxes. I already told you my box configuration didn't work. So I want a home base. I want a table where I can just lay my stuff out. And oftentimes at these trade nights, tables are really limited. So our group got in line for this one sometime around 5.30 and the line was already huge. Uh, but this time there were more tables. This room was enormous. It's nice for all of us little guys because like I said, we can just lay things out and people will come to us. Makes it easier to meet up with people too. So it's just a good time overall. And this is where I met up with someone I've chatted with over the last couple years on Instagram named Blaine. Uh, Blaine made a nice Ron Artest custom card for me. Make sure to check out my Thursday recap photo on social media so you can see a picture of that. But I, I want to mention it, one, because I'm, I'm just appreciative of it. And two, you know, I want to recognize the amount of work that goes into these things because it involves cutting up so many pieces for the background. And it, it's just something I don't know if I would have the patience for that or the skill set for that. So uh, Blaine, thank you for that again. I really appreciate that. And it was definitely nice to meet you in person. Um, now, I didn't make a lot of deals on trade night, but I moved some small stuff, which was one of my goals. And I did have a couple of Allen and Ginter cards of Gary V though on hand. I know people are like, oh, Gary V. 
uh, and I don't just sit here and consume a bunch of his content, but I love getting Allen and Ginter cards signed. I even took cards on my honeymoon. We went to a Red Sox game. I got cards signed there. So that's just always been something that I've done. Well, he was roaming around and he was nice enough to sign those. So uh, I was happy to get that. And, and maybe in true Gary V fashion, I'll move one of them and pay for a nice PC card in the process. After that, we went back to the Hyatt. So from one place to the other, uh, that was kind of our go-to. That was becoming our go-to spot. And um, I wanted to get things ready for Friday. Uh, I knew I had another big day ahead of me. And Friday kind of ended up being the opposite of Thursday because Thursday was the best day for me in a number of ways. Friday, not so much. Now, that doesn't mean it was horrible, but there were a few bumps in the road. I think especially this is where all the traveling and and kind of the wear and tear of of the week caught up to me. Um, This also corresponded with what I think was the most crowded day of the entire convention, at least while I was there. And about mid-morning, I, I had a headache. I started feeling really nauseous, and I just had to get away for a little bit. So I left the convention floor. I went and sat in one of the lobbies for an hour or so. I knew I had the Allen Iverson signing to go to at 3 o'clock, so I wanted to be rested up for that because I didn't know how much standing in line that was going to involve. But anyway, I wanted to be on my A game uh, in case anything went wrong. Um now, I, I felt like I was on my A game. Well, let, let's just go into that. So anyway, I got feeling better. I made my way to the TriStar Pavilion, and it's just chaos. There's just tons of people waiting in line. They're waiting for direction, right? Because it's it's not even just lines at, at one point. It's just a big old crowd. And there's a TV screen with the line numbers, but it's not posted high enough where people can really see it. So just kind of tricky overall. I noticed they were calling people up to the lines by their ticket number. So I looked at my Iverson ticket. I noticed I was ticket number two, which you know I thought that was a good sign. And that still meant all the VIP and the special tickets and everyone got in front of me, but I was relatively close because after they call all those people, they'll say, all right, anyone that's 10 and below, go ahead and get in line. So they call my number. I get up there. I take my card out. I choose my pin and the pin color. And I noticed that as Alan's starting to sign it, there's a little bit of trouble with the start of the autograph and it looked different. Then he finished it because, you know, it's not a, a lengthy autograph. It's not a very good autograph. And he handed it back to me. I noticed that uh, this iteration was very streaky too. Well, I haven't really done any paid signings like this. So I, let me just preface this by saying, I don't know the normal protocol. But the autograph was definitely, in, in my mind, it was not a, a good autograph for someone that's getting paid for 10 seconds of their time. And that kind of led to an awkward interaction with him. Uh, luckily for you... My GoPro was rolling that whole time. So I'm going to go ahead and play that audio for you here. And then I've got a little more to say about it after that. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, buddy. Appreciate it. Got you. Thank you. Got it, my man. Can you go over oh, that a little where it's smeared? Is that all right? Or, yeah. Is it smeared? It, or where it faded? Uh, where, can you cover uh, over where it faded a little? Go. You going to mess it up, man. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Needless to say, I was not happy, and I, and I really wasn't happy with the way TriStar responded to me when I went to their booth to ask about it the next day either. Uh, I'm not going to go into all that, but in retrospect, I don't think AI was being rude, and it's unfortunate that the last part is streaky. It's probably better that he didn't trace over it like I asked. Uh, it gave me an interesting story that I get to share with you guys, and at the end of the day, it's still an incredible card. It just you know, I was trying to process in the moment how to handle this and, and kind of what to do. And, and, you know, I wanted control of the entire situation. And, and I just, you know, you can't have that every time. So 
I, I don't want to take anything away from the job that Eric did on this thing because I now have a game-worn Logoman Auto made with the picture I wanted on the front and the back, and I got it signed myself. You really can't ask for more than that. And then on top of that, while I was in Chicago, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I moved that jambalaya. Uh, I didn't tell you, though. I moved it for more than I have into this whole project. So I get to keep the Logoman Auto, and I actually made a little money in the process. I've said it before, but let this serve as a reminder that sometimes you have to see something for what it could be and not just what it is in the moment because that thing used to be hideous, but now it's a um, wonderful card in my PC and I'm very happy to have that. All right, so the group I had been hanging out with capped off the night with some deep dish and Taco Bell. You can guess which one I had. And as we're sitting in the Hyatt lobby once again, a young collector named Anthony comes up to our table and right from the start, you can tell this kid is not shy. And he's asking for Otani stuff. So I kind of anxiously pulled out my two $10 Diamond Kings rookies that I got in a lot. You know, I figured this would be a good chance to help him out. And he opened his case, and it was just full of monster cards. So I kind of casually tucked those two Otani cards back into my little converted Pokemon boxes and just sat back and watched. And the gentleman next to me, Dan... He was not paying attention to that earlier exchange, but he did hear that Anthony was looking for Otani, and he sort of matter-of-factly said to him, I have something, but it might be out of your range. Well, Anthony proceeded to offer him $1,400 for the card, while also noting, I just came back from Morton's, and I'm a little full. Um, you know, it's an interesting flex. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot make this stuff up. So once again, the things you see and the things you hear at the National uh, when all was said and done, the last remnants of our group left the lobby around 2.30 in the morning. Um, the show itself was fun, but it was those times of just hanging out that will probably stick with me the longest. And it, it turned what started out as kind of a rocky day into a very memorable one and a fun one. So uh, thank you to all of you that were part of that. Okay, Saturday rolled around, and this was my last day at the show. I, I, I left Sunday afternoon, but uh, I didn't end up going back to the show on Sunday. So Saturday was the last day. And when I get in the doors on Saturday, the big topic of conversation was the dealer meeting where they essentially drafted tables and voted on the location for the 2026 National. I'm sure you've seen that ballot on social media already, but it looks like the organizers were practically begging them to choose Atlantic City. If I remember right, some of the perks included $1,000 and then an upgrade to the Wi-Fi. I guess Wi-Fi had been a major issue at the last AC show, from what I can tell, it was fine in Chicago, though. I did think it was a little ironic that the Wi-Fi was sponsored by Alt, you know, after they already had access to everyone's sensitive information via their browser extension. Why not jump on their sponsored public Wi-Fi connection as well? I'm sure nothing could go wrong there. But um, Saturday was a pretty relaxing day overall. I felt like there were a lot less people than the day before, and that made digging a little bit easier um, simply because you could get to boxes. The previous days, I couldn't get to the boxes. A lot of the areas were too deep, so it just wasn't con really conducive to digging. But I finally found a nice couple spots, including a quarter box in the morning. And then um, Owen, also known as Cardstocks, Owen and I did some major digging in some of the 30-cent bins later on. I think we spent a good hour and a half there. So that was fun to be able to hang out with him a little bit. Um, other things that I spotted, I, I, a couple of vintage items that I had never seen in person before. The first one was a 1968 Topps Test Set Pack. 
which is really more like a, a blank white envelope with a, a label on top of it because this wasn't a, a real product that was distributed to customers. It was something that they made in-house. You might remember Adam and I did an episode about that set early on, but um, you could get that for the low price of $100,000. And the second thing I hadn't seen before was a 1974 Topps card signed by Wendell Ladner. And, you know, that might not seem like a big deal or that name might not ring a bell, but he died in a plane crash in June of 1975. So there was a very small window to get that one signed. And I asked the seller if he even had a number for that one. And he wouldn't give me an exact number. He basically said, yeah, if I did, it would be astronomical. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame him, but I'm glad he had it at the show. And like I said, I, I like being able to see that stuff. Now, the highlight of my day so far, though, and the highlight of, of really overall of my trip, it came on Saturday, and that was my picture with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I had already heard on Friday that his autograph line took way longer than expected. It made me happy that I elected to just go for the photo. Um, that area, the photo area, even though they're both TriStar, that seemed to run a lot better than the autograph area. And I have to say, even though he was clearly exhausted, Kareem was kind and made sure he smiled for every picture. Uh, I couldn't have asked for more from Kareem. I felt a little bad for him because you could tell that it had been a long two days for him. So I didn't bother trying to ask him any questions or anything like that. I just thanked him for his time. Um, you know, I have no inside information or anything, but if I had to guess just based on kind of what I heard in his body language, I'd say he's probably not going to do a big show ever again. Um, or, or this will be one of the last ones. I can't reasonably think of, of why he would put himself through that, but you know, who knows, maybe he just wants to do it for the fans. Like I said, I, I have no inside info on that and, and I could be wrong. But, uh, when I left that convention then on Saturday, after all of that, I walked through the main lobby and it was just full of people with their cards spread on the floor. And I know I've read negative things about how it's just a lot of the hustle kids crowd or whatever people wanted to call it. Look, there was legitimate trading going on. I'm not going to say there weren't people just trying to flip and buy and sell, but that's always been part of the hobby. So I, you know, I, I took that as a good sign. It's almost like the show just kind of, you know, the convention center couldn't contain itself. And that's really a, a microcosm of the week at large. I've been to three nationals now, all in Chicago, and this one seemed like it had the most people by far, and it wasn't even close. But I wasn't going to stick around in that area. It was too crowded for me. So after we grabbed a bite to eat, guess where we headed? Back to the Hyatt. If you haven't figured it out now, that was our usual spot. And I made a few deals there, including a deal for a nice Kawhi Rookie Auto from 2012 Innovation, which I plan on keeping that one for my PC for now. So uh, I felt like that was a good way to finish things off because, like I said, I, I didn't go back in on Sunday. Uh, I decided I was all nationaled out. You know, after a while, all the people... And all the noise and everything kind of takes its toll on you, especially if you're an introvert like myself. And while my energy was kind of drained at this point, I want to make it clear, though, my enthusiasm for the hobby certainly was not. And I'll give you a couple of points to back that up, because when we were at the airport on Sunday, Southwest, yes, that's right, I didn't fly Spirit this time, Southwest announced that they had overbooked our flight by one person. They were offering $800 and a free one-way flight on the next plane to our destination. Now, in my head, I was thinking about all the cards that I could get with $800, but uh, then I had to snap back to reality. I had Mrs. Wax Museum with me, so and it was only one, so I knew that wasn't going to fly. But then, after we landed, her sister's driving us home from the airport, 
That gave me ample time to sit in the passenger seat checking my saved eBay searches. And guess what? I ended up buying three cards on the way home. So um, my enthusiasm has definitely not waned. There you have it. Like I said, I'm wore out from the trip, but I think it was a big success for me overall. I accomplished all the goals I had heading into the show. I haven't decided what I'm going to do for 2024. I, I know, you know, a lot of people have already booked their hotels and everything. I had a lot of fun last year doing the Midwest Monster and the, and the Dallas show. So that thought has crossed my mind again. Um, but, you know, I've got plenty of time to decide that doesn't have to happen right now. In case you've missed it, if, if you haven't got enough national content already, I'm doing like six or seven straight days of national content on my YouTube channel this week. Everything from GoPro footage to pickups to my mail after the fact. So feel free to check that out if you'd like. Otherwise, as usual, you can find me on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My ex username is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the website for my affiliate links. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Thank you.